Welcome to KidTech. This is your host, Dylan Collins, CEO of Super Awesome. And today's episode is super, super interesting conversation with Chris Preeb, who is the founder of Two Hat Software, the content moderation platform that was acquired by Microsoft a little over a year ago. Really, really interesting sort of meander through a lot of topics around um, moderation, metaverse, and AI, and the intersection of all of these things. So let's get into it. Chris Preet, founder of Two Hat. Very, very pleased uh, to have you on the Kid Tech Show. Um, you founded Two Hat um, in 2012. It was acquired by Microsoft in 2021. We're going to talk about that journey today. Um, welcome to Kid Tech. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, and for those listeners, we had several attempted starts at this episode, mostly because of my flaky internet connection. Um, but we are finally here. Um, Chris, can you talk a little bit about your background? And I, I suppose specifically take that to why you started Two Hat um, back in 2012. Okay, sure. Do you want the short or the long one? Uh, we got time. So like, let's, let's, let's give the people some, <laughs> some color, some information. So back in the 90s, when the internet was just kind of starting, you had that dial-up sound. I first heard that that crazy dial-up connect sound. I thought this internet is going to be incredible. It's going to be able to do amazing things. And at first, they call it the information highway, which we haven't used that term for ages. If you remember, right? Um, so in the early, like, well, in the early days of the internet, back in the '90s, I was trying to build like just a bunch of stuff, trying to make the internet more useful, more more helpful. But I came across this this idea that we had to have online communities. So the information highway is kind of the wrong term. I think it's why we stopped using it. It was more like a, a road trip, right? You're going along with friends mm-hmm. on this information highway and you're having a good time. And as, as working for this company called Trinity Western University and they wanted to, they said, you can't just learn online. I was working with the online learning. You can't just learn online. You have to have community online. That's kind of the, the key point I'm going to drive towards is community. So back then we created a, an online community where you could join with all your friends and all your fellow alumni, all your school groups and all those kinds of elements. And it would give you a stream. Unlike MySpace, we had to log in every day and see if anything was new. You had to go see how, um, hmm. see how it was. Now, meanwhile, my brother had started this little thing called um, Experimental Penguins. And so he had this idea that you could have like this little penguin walking around the screen and you could talk to each other. And so I converted that. Like the campus had a whole bunch of geese Canadian geese, nasty little things, but they had geese all over the campus. And so we, we made geese that you could walk around as and talk to each other. And we and put that. And so we had, we had the ability that you could have a social stream of everything that was new with all your friends and groups. We had photos and we had games that you could walk around. It's like the early metaverse of like walking around and earning stuff and whatever else. Hmm. And then um, what we ended up doing with that is we created this whole community that everyone was kind of connected. And that was a year before Mark came out with Facebook. So I was kind of excited to have that kind of Hmm. early start. So I realized that the internet needs to be social. And then as my brother was playing around with his penguin thing, we were really worried about kids because at first he just wanted to build, actually the story behind that one is originally he wanted to build a turn-based strategy game where you have polar bears, beavers, uh, penguins, and some, and some other animals, and they're having a, um, a snowball fight, and you get cold, and you have to drink hot chocolate. So he wanted to do his prototype. His prototype was, well, can I at least get 
something to walk across the screen. And the simplest background was a sheet of ice. And the simplest thing to draw is a little penguin because it's just a triangle that just goes back and forth and back and forth. And the kid and then and his testers were a bunch of kids. And his kids said, mm. we need chat. This is where it's going to get really relevant. We need chat. Mm. Well, this is, is this 99, 2001, 2002, something like that. Mm. Um, so there was no way on earth you would ever let kids have chat back in the early 2000s. Like that was a dark day of the internet where the social features of the internet were just ramping up. If you put kids on chat, that was probably a very bad idea. So we're like, no, you're going to get sued or kids are going to get in a lot of trouble. Mm. So, but the kids kept demanding chat. And they said, fine, if we're going to do chat, let's do chat in a way that's so incredibly safe that we could actually let kids do it. So we literally, it was funny because we were working in his basement and we, the kids would go online and they would start chatting and then they would figure out how to break the filter. Because as soon as you, uh, you add um, a filter, the whole entire behavior change. And people talk about this thing called natural language processing. There's nothing natural about how kids try to break filters online. Like they don't use normal English. They'll take every single word. If you eliminated so they couldn't say any words except for table, they'll find a way to use the word table as a some sort of innuendo. Um, right. So they it's nothing natural about it. And so as soon as they broke the filter, we would go in the back end and we'd quickly fix it. And then we'd kick everyone off the server and they'd all eager they log back in and then they would try again and we just kept going. <laughs> this is this is the cat and mouse game that we played. And then that product became Club Penguin. Um, so eventually launched as Club Penguin and then it grew to 300 some odd million users. My brother sold it for like $350 million or some, some jazz like that. I wasn't a partner at the time. I realized probably I probably should have taken shares in that company. That would have been smarter. <laughs> so, um, but, that's, but, but that's amazing to think about because I mean, the, the origins of that go back to before Facebook. I mean, Facebook was founded in 2004. And, and it sounds like you were doing a lot of stuff that was really a precursor to that kind of community, albeit with geese and various animals and children. Um, <laughs> before that, that's, that, that, that's kind of amazing. Yeah, technically, I could challenge Facebook's patent on the social stream. Um, right. But I don't really want to. So... <laughs> <laughs> but that's just kind of the the fun that I have, yeah. you know, having that from long ago as prior art. Right, right, right. Matters anymore. Anyway, we're off topic, but uh, we we, um, we could do a whole other episode on, on on patents and their relevance these days for sure. <laughs> but 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 you got but I but I see, I'm already beginning to see sort of the strands of going from chat filters to to sort of the genesis, I guess, of of two hat. That's right. Kind of uh, po post club penguin, I presume. Yeah, so the two themes so far is the internet's highly needs to be highly social. Mm. It's not just an information highway; it's a journey together. And the right. next part is if it's going to be social, it better be safe. When we started, so um, with Club Penguin, I mean that was it made sense, right? Kids' product got to be safe. Um, you know, we wouldn't allow hardly anything to to happen there. Now that went on for several years, and then um, I eventually found my home was really deep in the safety side. So I was building the backend moderation tools and whatever else. So as I got more specialized, as the company got bigger, I really just loved diving into, let's keep kids safe and let's build them the best moderation deck possible. And then I started thinking, there's gotta be a better way to do this than 
the way our current filter worked because we filtered just tons of stuff. You just you didn't you couldn't tell because this we were incredibly popular, and so you only allowed a hundred people per room because that's all the servers could handle. But with 100 people in the room all talking at the same time, you couldn't read everything that was on the screen. So we could drop half the stuff on the floor. We didn't tell people we dropped it. Um, like we filtered it out. We just didn't bother telling them. And they thought they were having a good time. And the, the odd side effect of that is actually a funny story is that people would be like really mean, really mean. It never went through. And then all of a sudden they say something nice, like, do you want to play a game? And everyone starts answering yes. And they're like, oh, and they got positive reinforcement only on their positive mm. behavior, which was, it only works if you're, if you got like, you know, the room is packed, right? Right. There's just two people talking to each other and you drop half their comments and they just get mad at each other <laughs> because that person's not responding to anything you say. But there's got to be a better way of doing a filter than this like simple version that we had. And I started thinking about it. And I, I like to tell this this story. And I, I, I imagine myself was walking past customer support and they're, they're on the phones and little Johnny's on the phone and little Johnny's crying his eyes out and like listening to the support person What's wrong? What's wrong? And, and I can't say this is an exact story because this has happened so many times. It's actually, it does, ha it happened quite a lot. Right. And he asked Johnny, well, what's wrong? He says, I, okay, okay there, was this, there was this one part of the Club Penguin that was called Lighthouse. Um, a little part where you could walk past. And then people would go, and it could be any location, but I remember particularly this happened at the Lighthouse sometimes. And someone would walk up to another person and say, you have a nice shirt. Because it's like, remember, it's the early metaverse. People could get like a free shirt. They could buy a shirt. They put it on. And part of the goal was to dress as ugly as you possibly can. And then <laughs> um, someone would say, you have a nice shirt. But they're kids, right? So they spell shirt wrong. So they spell it S-H-I. And they forget the R. And then it's T. Well, the mm -hmm. rule was, if you say one of those four-letter words, you're instantly automatically kicked off for 24-hour timeout. And so little Johnny had spelled shirt wrong. You've got a nice shirt. And then he's instantly banned. And then he's crying his eyes out on the phone with support. He goes like, I didn't mean to. I've been good for three years. I've never done anything wrong. Now, three years, that's also the interesting thing. Um, when Disney came to acquire us, I had to figure out what churn was because we didn't bother measuring churn because we never really lost any users. So we had this, this drastic problem that we we're only like, I can't remember how old we were when Disney came along, like three or four years old or something like that. But like our original users just kept coming back. And hmm. so we couldn't actually figure out what our churn was because people would like take a break for a month or six months and they'd come back. And then like, we just like, it was such a right. sticky product. Like kids just need something. They really want to have a place that's theirs that they could play. Now, of course it was like one of the few shows on the, on the map. There was Moshi was, was kind of going head to head with us. And then Minecraft hmm. came, stomped us like really bad. Hmm. Um, but where was it? So Johnny was crying about um, being kicked off. And I, and I hear the argument, I've been good for three years. I would never do that. And I thought, you know what? I think that's true. There's, there's, if, if you could figure it, pay attention to the reputation of a user, if they truly have been good for a long time, chances are if they suddenly start acting poorly, either they spelled it wrong, the filter's wrong, or their little brother stole their computer and is trying to get them in trouble. Hmm. So, but it's probably not Johnny. So you can still filter it. It doesn't have to go through and expose the other kids to risk, but don't be so harsh on Johnny and Sally and everyone else that's playing. And that was the beginning of Two Hat. So that was the idea that sparked Two Hat is could we use reputation to figure out that stuff in the middle? Because not only will it tell you which users are, tech, are technically good all the time, it'll also tell you which users are actively trying to break the filter. Because remember, the other story I was saying was in the beginning, we would 
have little experimental penguins and then we would, they, the kids would break the filter, we'd turn it, we'd fix it, we'd turn it all off and reboot it. That's a constant cat and mouse games. But the, the thing is when someone goes and they, they write, you know, you have a nice shirt essentially, uh, the, you know that the, the pattern is they just type it as it is to see if there is a filter. And then they add a dot in the middle and then they use like an exclamation mark for the eye. And then they right. write it, you know, they add something else and they add it upside down and then they do it backwards and they replace it with the sounds like they replace it with a, and it just keeps going and going and going. Well, the point is, is they're actively trying to break the filter. And so they actually follow that same kind of path. And so what you can do is you can just figure out who is actively trying to break the filter and then listen to everything they're saying. And now you know all the new filter techniques, the ones, mm. that, right? So if you do trending analysis, I mean, we had 300 million some on users. If you do trending analysis, you can figure it out. And that two hat, we ended up, when we sold the company, we're doing about a trillion, one, one T trillion messages a year. So we had enough samples that you could respect people's privacy, but just saying, okay, well, what's the, more, you know, take a hundred different people or whatever. And what's mm. like the common thing that they're trying to do to break the filter. So right, you can right, right. see the similarities that are aggregate amongst the people. So let's let, let's just pause there and, and sort of for, for people who are listening, I mean, the origin story of how you got to, I suppose, the reason for Two Hat is becoming clear. What is what is Two Hat today? Like oh, what, yeah. you know, if I'm a if I'm no no, because the, the, the history is 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 so instructive, right? So like what what is the two hat offering and, and like who is it relevant for? So two hat um, is a chat filter um, and, and beyond, we eventually grew far beyond chat to comments and images and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. But if you have a social product and you need to make sure that people are going to be safe from things like bullying and hate and people about to commit suicide, um, terrorist threats, et cetera, you just run all the usernames, all the chat, all the text, all the photos, all the videos, all the live stream through this platform and it's going to go and take care of you. So, and then of course you still need humans, which was a key part of the thing. But yeah, so we should probably come back to that point because that's absolutely key of how we were. Well, let's go to that part next. And so we created this platform that deals with reputation, but we also realized that this is humans trying to break the filter mm -hmm. using artificial intelligence by itself, like natural language processing won't solve the problem because there's nothing natural about how they're doing, which we mentioned a bit earlier. But what, um, what's happened though, is you need to have humans in the loop. So humans need to go and take a look at, okay, here's the, the AI can figure out, the trending data can figure out, okay, these new phrases are trending. So basically mm. it's shirt or bad word backwards or shirt with Russian characters transposed for English characters. This is a new trend. And then humans need to go look at that and figure out what's the best tool to solve the problem. And the old, the old saying is, is let computers do what they do well and let humans do what they do well. And so often we get that screwed up and we have humans doing like, I heard stories like back in the day, Facebook used to hire like 10,000 moderators and then they hire another 10,000 moderators. So mm. they have humans doing computer work, which is like mass analysis of large amounts of data and manually going through and like, like looking at it. Mm. And then that, that's problematic. You shouldn't have humans doing these things. That, so computers do uh, the same task over and over again, repeatedly. They're good at analyzing large data statistically. They're good at finding patterns, following the patterns. Humans are good at doing what humans do well, which is like creating art, doing things that are uh, abstract. Like the, the, there's an ancient example of like, you take the term coffee and you associate it with the word cold. 
A computer can't make that association using AI very normally. That's a human association of, oh, when I was young, I used to sit outside on the deck in the cold winter night and sit there and drink coffee with my grandpa. Cold and coffee are associated through this abstractness that our human brain can do. And when it comes to moderation, the computer can't usually pick out the nuances about when someone is doing all these really, really weird behaviors, but a human can look mm -hmm. at that and goes like, oh yeah, they're just substituting a, you know, an innuendo for the word table. And somehow they're using table very creatively, which if the computer's never seen that before, it won't pick up on it. Right, right. I, I definitely want to get into the intersection of AI and moderation a little bit later on. Like you mentioned, you, you gave a sense of the scale of Two Hat um, recently. Like, can you talk a little bit about the business of Two Hat you know, how many customers does the company have and and why? Like, are, are they just consumer products with young audiences or like, is this now all audiences, you know, in terms of the relevance of the product? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not allowed to say how many customers we have, but of course you can see all the ones that are listed on the website, which is quite sure. a few. Yeah. You've got um, some great logos there. But um, let's talk about the, the path of like how we onboard. So we started in the kids product space. Yeah. So we ended up getting pretty much every single virtual world that was out there. So we got we have Roblox and Animal Jam. Animal Jam, by the way, is one of our early adopters. I mean, absolutely mm -hmm. amazing to work with. Uh, we work with Kids World was one of our early adopters. They're no longer with us anymore. Um, and then we just kept going through all the, like the virtual worlds. And eventually, we ended up at the point where almost every single virtual world was using us. So and then we moved into the other kids based products. And pretty soon, like most of the kids-based products were all using us because it was just blatant. back in 2012, it was blatantly obvious that if you're a kids-based product, you just can't go, you can't go live without having some sort of protection against all the stuff. The problem I had in the early market was people thought it was a kids-based solution. Like they thought that the idea of filtering itself was for kids only. So there was a different internet back then. And so people would laugh. I actually had people at games conferences laugh at me and say, why don't you just send me all of those stuff that's filtered and that'll go into my personal inbox. At times I was tempted to actually do that because it would just absolutely flood them with like millions upon a day. And it took me a long time to realize that when I was talking about filtering, they thought I was talking about kids uh, making kind of like, or not kids, even like people just, you know, making backhanded comments, trolling jokes, mm. those kinds of things. They thought that was kind of like the fun part of the internet. And some people have that personality that they want to troll people. What they didn't understand is what we're really talking about is, and it depends on the audience that you're exposing this to, so you might have to edit some of this stuff, but like people being like sexually abused, sexually harassed, children being mm -hmm. groomed and, and being exploited, people being encouraged to commit suicide and then committing suicide, mm -hmm. people saying, don't come to school tomorrow because I'm going to blow up your school, like legitimate, like these weren't the fun things that people, right. you know, maybe just, you know, banter back and forth and like, uh, you know, your mom is so whatever. It, this was like the serious stuff of the internet. Extreme mm. racism where people are feeling excluded, unwanted. Uh, eventually we, we came to real, it, it changed. The market changed. It used to be the whole, the whole element where if a lady wanted to go and play a game online, she was so incredibly excluded. Like she wouldn't even turn her microphone on because as soon as her voice came on, her, her own teammates would shoot her and kill her. <laughs> Just because there was so much um, hatred against girls and gaming. But then we went through the whole Me Too movement and it got exposed how much sexual, sexual harassment was on the internet and that's not okay. We went through the whole thing about women in gaming and we started elevating the status of women. It's still not solved. Like there, and we were gonna talk about probably a bit later about what problems are not solved. The audio problem is not yet solved. 
So you can still turn on a microphone and there's basically no support. There's nothing helping you right now when you turn on that microphone, other than, you know, potentially we, we can take some, we're, we're doing a bunch of, a bunch of us are doing experimentation of what can we actually do without disrupting the whole uh, right. experience. Right. But that, I mean, that, it, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, it's like, you know, two out of a mission about making the world a place for everyone to share without harassment or abuse. And like, when you look back over the last 10 years, and do you think that in general, internet community has gotten better or worse? And, and second part to that question is, is your answer, how much of your answer is due to the tools like two hat that are available? Or, or what, what, what role are they playing in all of that? Well, there's two elements, it's better. And there's two reasons why. One is the tooling. So the right. tooling's gotten better. So we can now, like there's no excuse why you have to have the blatantly obvious, absolutely horrid stuff on the internet. You shouldn't have to go on the internet and all of a sudden you experience child pornography or even pornography, right? You shouldn't be sitting on the couch with your kids looking at something and all of a sudden pornography starts popping up. Th those problems are pretty much mm. solved. I mean, what we have is the edge cases of people being very creative and doing stuff mm. that's unique with those images that hides it or unique with those phrases uh, that hides it. The second problem that we have, or the second benefit that we had is the rest of the world came on the internet. So originally the internet was for the people that were very kind of like specialized, like, you know, some geeks and nerds and some other people, including myself. So I'll put myself in that category so no one feels, so no one feels uh, picked on. And, and especially in the gaming community, a lot of people that was kind of like a closed community that was part of being a gamer was the abuse and whatever that we that was there mm. uh, sadly the rest of the world came online including the mama groups and they said what on earth is going on over here <laughs> right right and then the government came online and they're like we need to regulate this uh and so the internet's kind of had to mature and it's not just this closed community of like a small percentage of the of the population. The majority of the population is on it. And the majority of the population is like, this is not okay. Right. And so we, we, we don't think it's okay to have pictures of, you know, child pornography. Or I shouldn't say child pornography because that uh, they use the child sexual abuse material as the, the proper term. Yeah, yeah. And, and how, when you think about the evolution of your product offerings over the, the, the same period of time, like how did that evolve? Because um, presumably, like, you know, the mix of solutions that you have today is very, very different from the original chat filtering that you effectively started with. Oh, very different. So the term two hat. So that's a funny story. So before two hat, my last role at Disney, I was in, I was in security. So my job was to go around and hack everything with the Mickey Mouse logo on it. Um, it was fun. So figured out before anyone else did. And so two hat security was on that security event. And there was two parts to two hat security. One hat was to break your site. So we were doing penetration testing, which is like hacking into people's sites with their permission. And the only difference between hacking like black hat and white hat hacking is you have permission and you don't expose it to the entire world. Sure. Um, otherwise we use all the same tools and, and, and techniques. And then, so one, one hat was to do um, penetration testing and the other hat was to build tools, multiple tools in order to make your site better. Um, so that's what the two hat. That's where the two hats came from. Except for we never did any penetration testing because we got doing the chat filter, which originally wasn't even chat filtering. It was a, it was a quality control tool for other chat filters. Because remember, my thesis was 
if you pay attention to the reputation, you can figure out everything that's wrong mm. and patterns. And I figured if I ran this against other filters, I could use the reputation to tell the other filters what they're getting wrong. Then, when, then we did our early adopter tests and our community came back to us and said, you know what, your, your, uh, your answers are actually better than the existing filters. Like you're, <laughs> like you're doing better than all the other current filters on the market. Um, and so with that encouragement, we said, well, maybe it won't be a quality control tool. Maybe we'll just actually be a filter. And so then we ended up doing the filter and that ended up being, instead of doing lots of tools, it ended up consuming 100% of our time. And so we just, we just got swamped and we ramped our staff up to, I think at the end, we were like 80 or so people when we sold it. Um, not the end, because mm. that was like, the, that's the end of phase one, moving on to phase mm. two, which since I mentioned it, I might as well mention what the two phases are. So always with two, the goal has been two phases. Phase one is work with the biggest companies in the world, like Minecraft and Roblox and all those folks who have the hardest problems um, in order to master the technology. And then once we've mastered the technology and got it come to a stable point, then stick it in a place, which is a cloud-based provider, which is phase two and make it available to everyone in the world. So phase one, master the technology with really hard problems and really high scale. Phase two, put it in the cloud so that anything that gets uploaded to the cloud, people have the option to make sure it's safe before it gets stored in the first place. Mm -hmm. What you're asking about kind of like the market journey. So from virtual worlds, we went to social gaming which included things like Marvel Contest of Champions, Clash of Clans, et cetera. So those were the ones that uh, it ended up expanding our audience. Like Marvel Contest of Champions wasn't kids anymore. We're getting mm. into an older audience and we had to deal with those kinds of issues. Well, the one once we realized that, then we started moving into like MMOs, uh, massive multiplayer games, working with, um, I can't remember which logos are on the site. But we had a whole bunch of those guys as well. And then we started realizing that there was needs outside. So we found education was really powerful because there was the whole bullying thing that was happening in school and school started creating a no bullying tolerance. And so they needed a solution mm. to help them with that because they, and then COVID hit and they needed to be um, all online. And you saw a, a massive shrinkage of technological, um, like usually school systems are like terribly slow to adopt technology, but during COVID they rapidly accelerated. And what would usually take years was happening in a few months for their adoption rates. There's that. Right. We also work with some travel. We work with uh, stocks. Cause like, even like in the stock world, you got cases where a female investor wants to go and talk about stocks. And because she's a female, she gets harassed and sexually abused and told she knows nothing and she's stupid. And then what the heck's going on there? Like she has just as much right to have a conversation about stocks as everyone else. She doesn't need to be excluded just because the nature that she's a female. And so apparently the stock market conversation boards also need to have the ability that you don't have to be harassed. Now we have the nice thing about our filter is that you don't have to like have it as the kids setting for everyone. So we've got a one, I built it originally so it would work for kind of like across, because remember phase two is bring it to the whole internet. So I built it so it would work mm -hmm. for lots of different use cases. And you just turn down your sensitivity towards things like racism or sexual harassment or profanity. Because some sites, they don't care if you swear. That's not the problem that they're trying to solve. What they don't want right. is they don't want someone to be um, so targeted and excluded that their voice isn't. Because then you, you, some people argue about freedom of speech. But what about, the, what about everyone else's freedom of speech where they're not even allowed to talk? They're not allowed, not even allowed to share their idea just because of who they are, like because they happen mm. to be a female or because they happen to be disabled or because they happen to be of a certain political affiliation. So why do they get shut down? They're not allowed saying anything by the community. 
Mm. So we have to give everyone the ability to speak. And do you think, um, Chris, that startups today in 2022 have a sufficient appreciation of the importance of community and, and sort of preventing that kind of toxicity from appearing early on? Or is it still a thing that really just tends to get thought about by management teams when they get to a certain scale? Yeah, there's two types of uh, customers that we've had. The one type I call true believers. It's like your folks like Animal Jam. Those guys believe it to their core that it has to be safe. Like that's why they were one of our early adopters. I mean, Level Clark's built over that company. Um, that is phenomenal. Like they they believe that it has to be safe. They know, and that's how Club Penguin was. We knew mm. that we couldn't make this available to kids unless it was safe, both ethically and legally. Like we would just be sued beyond belief, but ethically, even like you just couldn't build it for kids if it, you don't care about it. So there's the true believers, which is usually your kids-based products and some of your other products that really care. And then there's a second group, which is, um, I just want to build my product. And this is the mosquito that's hovering around. And that usually comes in two forms. One is like, oh, I came across, I need to do this for compliance reasons. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, PCI compliance or whatever to them. It's like, I, I need to collect credit cards. Ah, oh, man, I have to deal with this whole, you know, PCI and all this is like, oh, I'm going to, I need, I want to have social features. I want to have chat. I want to have usernames. I want to have comments. I want to have interactions. Now I got to deal with those people that eventually every single comment discussion is going to degrade to some reference to Hitler. Like, oh, that's right. not the reason I created the community. And to them, it's more of a nuisance. And then there's kind of in that same group, there's like kind of a third, which is kind of more part of the second. And they, they set out to be like, this is going to be an anonymous network. You're going to be able to say anything you want to say. The worse, the better. Um, and they kind of start off that path. And and, uh, and there, there's different branches. I mean, the anonymous, anonymous network is not equal to the worse, the better. There was a few. Um, like there was one called Burn Book. Oh, dear. And that was the whole purpose was to who could give the biggest insult and bullying comment to another person. And it was based on the movie uh, Mean Girls. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And mm. so eventually, even those folks have to deal with it when it becomes so bad that they're going to get shut down. So they get right. shut down from different countries on the app store or they, you know, the, the, the push against them becomes so bad. Or you know, the founders finally realize that this platform is being used to um, sexually abused children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not necessarily burn book, but like um, yeah. bunch, a bunch of them that went down the path of like anonymous photo sharing eventually ended up down the whole child sexual abuse imagery path. Mm. It's just nasty. Um, I probably don't want to share too much of that because people would be highly disturbed, but there's, there's, there's some in that category that are still thinking I'm just talking about like, you know, the burns, but they're not mm. realizing um, how absolutely horrid it is um out there mm. but i'm not i'm not going to share all those stories it's, it's still it's me like a night. and what about like on the investor side um i mean we've seen you know i mean you and i sort of built companies and started them i suppose before there were categories like safety tech and tech <laughs> Um, and, and those exist today in sort of reasonably well-defined senses. Like, and, and I think 
at least some investors will understand them. Like, what was what was the investor journey like in terms of building to like did they did, mm. did did you find people got it? Did they did they not? How was it? Well, the angel phase was the best because angels just invest in what they love. So yeah. I'm gonna help kids. <laughs> well, yeah, let's do it. So I had some really good I had some really good angels. Um, uh, that was that was great. Uh, one of them was was Steve, uh, who came in as my CEO and is now running the company. And then another one was my brother Lance from Club Penguin. Another one was a guy named John Maloney. Uh, he was the previous president of Tumblr. Uh, hmm. Bless the guy. I mean, he's he believed in me. It was such an encouragement to me. Like I give him a call on some of the because you have your hard days. Oh man, I yeah. phoned John up and he'd seen so much. I mean, through his years, and we had some other we had some other great guys that came in um as our angels and then you got into our formal investments as we did like our pre pre-seed and our series a and then we started talking to like the vcs and all the other kinds of folks um and it was challenging like they didn't know what to do with us they wanted to know what our market size was i'm like market size we i don't know if we i think the uk finally started answering that question the uk government put out a report that started answering it, but there was no there was no resources to tell us how big the market was and it's like and do you really want me to even bother telling you because it's doubling every year like <laughs> so like there's just an explosion of these kinds of things happening maybe an exaggerate i saying doubling but maybe not like the social net really grew mm-hmm. um you know eventually i'd say to them well how big do you think the internet is because like everything that's on the internet needs to be read by someone or seen right. But anyhow, they didn't like that answer. So I couldn't answer the market size. So they did, that kind of spooked a lot of them. And then the most common answers I heard is like, oh, you're just not inside our thesis. And I don't know if they were just brushing me off or if they just like, but there was no thesis. And finally, I think it was as we were doing our series A or just, I started hearing for the first few times, it's like, oh yeah, we have a thesis just for you know online content moderation. I'm like, what? And I started having these people reaching out to me and like, yeah, we have this new thesis for online content moderation. We want to interview you for like what? It's like, oh, okay, this is cool. So I, I'm sorry to what, see. What what year was that? Just to just to give that a timestamp, approximately. Uh, three years ago, it kind of started. Right. So right. that was so still re- 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 2019. Yeah, yeah, quite recently. And then more recently, it's been like you know, kudos to DCMS and the UK government for. Uh, what they've been doing in regards to building out a whole market for it and when i went out when i went to their office three four years ago before COVID, i was in their office and they asked me like what what they could be doing to increase the safety tech space and i said ultimately it comes down to you need investors mm-hmm. right so f- find a way i said go figure out what the market size is go figure out promote it go figure out like give grants do whatever but do whatever you can to make an attractive space for investors because if you can bring investors into it, then the market's going to grow because it needs funding, right? So that was the biggest challenge we had. Um, and the second biggest challenge was lack of data because of all the privacy issues. I mean, yeah. you're dealing with really sensitive stuff about people thinking about committing suicide or people being sexually mm-hmm. abused. Privacy becomes really, really important, um, more so than other topics because it's so sensitive. So how do you get data that's close enough to a real conversation but doesn't violate someone's privacy mm-hmm. and and i mean I, actually that takes us to an interesting topic and you know we, we've actually quite a lot of investors that listen to this show as well like when you think about the unsolved areas of 
community toxicity and 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 safety and moderation and everything in that bucket i mean what are some of the things that jump to mind like what what is not yet being solved the audio one mm. is the one that that bothers me the most um i look at there's some folks doing it like i think modulates potentially in the lead a great little company that's that's trying to solve that problem mm. I can't speak to our own initiatives on this call. And I think a whole bunch of other people are trying to solve it. Um, but mm. audio is particularly challenging uh, because well, one is just the sheer cost. Right. So if you have to take the voice and if you go down the path of transcription, that's a lot of power, AI power to transcribe it only to send it to a text moderator, but you've compounded your errors. So by the time you transcribe it, you've got all the transcription errors. Like it's one thing to transcribe it when you're speaking clearly and you want to be understood. It's another thing to transcribe it when you are screaming at the top of your lungs because you're angry at someone or because you're running from an enemy in a video game. Uh, or you're deliberately trying to mess with the system and saying, go bad right. word yourself. I mean, like, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. harder and, and I'd, harder. I'd, I'd, pre I'd presumably there's still a latency issue there anyway, even when you get through the transcription right. point. Because you can only deal with it after the harms happened. So this is where reputation becomes powerful. And I think that's a solution for um, audio is there's a certain element of like, if you enter into the, and you put a headset on and, and you start playing uh, with audio on or, or whatever activity you're in, start streaming, whichever, you're kind of entering a little bit of a danger zone uh, because the harm's going to happen. You're going to hear some crap. But the thing is, is that people have resilience. People have the ability to hear some crap about themselves um, and deal with angry people. The problem is, is when they can't do anything about it. So if that angry person just stays right in their ear, they can't even play their game or they can't finish their stream or they can't do their, do their thing without hearing this angry person who's just telling them that they should kill themselves. Right. Eventually that wears someone down and some people believe it and they actually kill themselves. Mm. And so if you could deal with reputation and say, well, this person here is consistently being reported. This person, when we, when we analyze the reports, there's a lot of indeed, you know, the AI agrees that these are significant issues. This is an ongoing behavior. Um, mm -hmm. Then we can start taking some actions. And mm -hmm. so you can, instead of having an ongoing harm, we can have a harm that has an end to it, which hopefully people's resilience can start, can, can allow them to have that experience. But I don't think audio is going to be something that's available to kids unless you do like the TV is done for years and you got that delay in there. Mm. Like live broadcasts on TV typically have some delay in it. So to handle that and like from a kid's base, but you can't have a conversation when, you know, the lips right. are moving and the audio comes later. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it is fascinating. Like, you know, in 2022, like how many parts of, of community and the internet in general still are not solved for all audiences it's quite remarkable um and and i guess sort of to, to to take this towards a close chris like where i mean does agi fix uh, sort of artificial general intelligence is this sort of like just take over this entire area 10 years from now or like what is the role of, of ai within um content moderation and, and community safety well, it'll always be a blend of humans and AI mm -hmm. and the right people and the right system doing the right thing. 
I, I think the answer is going to be, um, I like to use the idea of self-driving cars. And I'm going to sound more intelligent than I really am because I haven't studied it all that deeply. But with a self-driving car, it's full of, they mount multiple cameras all over the car. And some you can imagine will do different tasks like infrared. Some of them will be like, you know, really good at picking up the lines on the street. Some of them are good at picking up obstacles, you know, those kinds of elements. And the general idea is the more cameras you mount, the better your system is. Because when you're driving down the highway, you don't want to run someone over. When we come back to the information highway, when you're driving down that highway, how many cameras can you mount to make sure you don't run over a human life and, and, and hurt them? Mm. And then, so if you can have multiple cameras, so one's really, really good at detecting this problem, another one's good at detecting another problem, another one deals with the errors in the first camera. Mm. And then you got this crazy situation that someone's walking down the street and he's wearing a t-shirt that says stop. <laughs> He's just messing with all the automated cars because people do that because they, they think it's funny mm. and you're going to have the same thing. And so then you got to deal with more cameras that are dealing with the errors and whatever. And then you eventually got to have humans in that loop and going, no, that is a t-shirt saying stop. And that's, you know, you got to have, you know, like even when I'm driving down the road, my car right in my van right now can follow the lines on the road mm. most of the time. And then all of a sudden starts flashing going like, was it, it doesn't say human required, but it says something basically along that lines. It flashes this message to me and basically I have to put my hands on the steering wheel and, and, and keep driving because AI can kind of drive down the road, but it needs that human. So we have, we have to have, I don't want humans making decisions about this person should be reported for criminal activity for child, child sexual exploitation, right? Mm -hmm. He should not be automatically sent to the police. Like there needs to be a human in the loop that goes, yes, this is actually a crime and not some other thing like a piece of art or something like that that looks similar to whatever and then um when someone like there's a human who's potentially about to commit suicide right a human should be in that loop to be that first responder to go like yes this is legitimate i'm going to route this to the like sure you can have that all automated and some some robot drone shows up at their doorstep saying please don't kill yourself mm. um but so much better to have humans taking care of those situations and validating it. And also dealing with like, this wasn't a false positive of like some kid on Minecraft was like, ah, I'm so stuck. I'm trapped, whatever. I'm just going to kill myself and respawn back at the beginning. And all right. <laughs> and like, you got this drone show up on his door and saying, please don't kill yourself in Minecraft. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you need humans like the, the AI it's, AI is really good for things like on Amazon, you know, people who buy this product also like this other, I don't care if you get some of them wrong. It's a little bit helpful when it comes to people, you know, suicide right. prevention, sending people to jail for illegal activity, you know, preventing people from extreme racist content and, you know, blowing up places like this needs humans involved in these kinds of things. So, mm -hmm. so the, the, the future of community is going to continue to have a human foundation. Uh, sounds like what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, because humans should do what they do well, which is the personal touch, the mm. artistic touch, the creative, the um, intuition, those like there's a whole bunch of stuff that computers can't fulfill. They can't become humans and they shouldn't. Mm. But computers are going to handle the future where everyone's on the Internet, constantly putting stuff on the Internet. Like that, the scale problem is just ast astronomical. Right. But let's leave the humans to do the human work. And on that very human note, Chris Breeb, founder of Two Hat, thank you very much for joining us on Kid Tech today. What an interesting conversation. Thanks for your time.